world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. The issue of legal mental competency can be a complicated and emotion-packed subject, even under the best of circumstances. This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Diane's special guest, forensic psychologist Dr. Gianni Pirelli, pulls back the curtain on a common problem we'd all rather not think about. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. Sane or insane, competent or not, the answers to these complex legal questions lie at the intersection where the science of psychology and the justice system meet. And that's where we find this week's guest expert. Dr. Gianni Pirelli is a board-certified forensic psychologist an adjunct professor of forensic psychology at Fairleigh Dickinson University, Montclair State University, and John Jay College of Criminal Justice. His research has been re featured in USA Today, Psychology Today, and cited in briefs to the New York Court of Appeals and the United States Supreme Court. Dr. Perilli currently serves as the editor of the State Psychological Association's journal, The New Jersey Psychologist, and as an editorial board member for a leading forensic psychology journal, Law and Human Behavior. He is the author of three textbooks, including The Ethical Practice of Forensic Psychology, published by Oxford University Press. Dr. Pirelli, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you so much. Wow, you have such a wonderful <laughs> background there. I was getting tongue-tied. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, of course, I know everyone, all our listeners are saying, what does a forensic psychologist do? Right. <laughs> I often <laughs> ask myself. Um, <laughs> we think a <it's> CSI. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny you say that because a lot of times I'm talking to um, intro to psychology undergraduate students trying to explain to them the same thing because they're kind of interested in, oh, they think it's CSI as well. And and uh, that's obviously very uh, <laughs> <laughs> very minimal uh, aspect of the field, uh, criminal profiling and stuff like that. It's usually more law enforcement. A uh, forensic psychologist is uh, somebody who applies clinical psychology to the law, essentially. And um, it's really a specialty area. It's been recognized for about 15 years by the American Psychological Association. And uh, someone like myself conducts evaluations for uh, civil, criminal, and uh, legal matters, as well as administrative matters. Okay. Yep. So um, basically, uh, a forensic psychologist like me, in in the context of you know the issues that you talk about, we can be brought in on cases when there's questions about um, parental or parents' capacity to make decisions or okay. their ability to make decisions. And right. So uh, we call those guardianship evaluations. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, we, 
we as children, we have so many different concerns today because, you know, our parents, people are living longer, um, and we have the prevalence of dementia, patients' rights, blended families, um, intergenerational transfer of wealth, you know, informed consent. So we have so many issues, and um, we're looking, we, we look for help because there's points where you don't know what to do. You know, most of us, you know, have a relative who we think, geez, they're beginning to make decisions that may be inconsistent with, you know, how they usually, their thought process was or their core values. Um, They're exhibiting behaviors, you know, that have caused us to question, well, can they live independently, you know, or, or can they drive a car safely or, you know, are they making sound financial decisions? So, in that respect, would we, you know, we, would we be able to just call you for something like that? or? Yes, so so there's a couple different ways that someone can, can get in touch with us. One is directly, um, and we would speak to them, you know, in, in terms of determining where they're at in the process. Because it may just be a time of initial assessment. It may be a time of therapeutic interventions, you know, individual right. therapy. Or... It may be a time where it's a seriously time to consider getting an attorney and filing formally for guardianship. And and I'm not an attorney, but we deal with these all the time. So I would just generally say, you know, you have limited guardianships where uh, someone might, you can assist the parent, you know, okay. in making decisions. And then there's full guardianships usually. Um, again, every jurisdiction is different. But what's important is, it goes back to what is a forensic psychologist. Most people... We'll just say, all right, let's just go to our general medical doctor. Right. And a lot of times, um, that's fine. A lot of times, general medical doctors or, or even psychiatrists um, can can do these types of um, guardianship cases where they fill, basically fill out a form and, okay. you know, there's an easy transfer. But we get tend to get called in when we really need to evaluate it further. We, we do psychological testing. We do functional testing, meaning, you know, we're literally asking the person to um, look into a phone book, although that's getting outdated. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, th- things like that. Like one of the best subtests, on, actually, on one of the things we do is we put these candies, but they're supposed to mimic pills in a bottle. Okay. And then we set a timer for five minutes from now. Then we continue with other tasks. And then the timer goes off. Okay. Like, all right, what are you supposed to do now? And like... I don't know. So we try to give it very practical, real-world functional testing to understand where the person is so that we can then speak to medical, financial, legal decisions. Um, Because you may, number one, be in a family situation where there's a disagreement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, the one sibling thinks, no, they don't need any help. The other sibling thinks that they do. Um, Or that could come about later. And if you don't get somebody who has some expertise um, with respect to legal matters, then later on they're going to say, well, you influenced them to right. sign off on that. Or, and, and so we, we're basically hired in experts in um, foreshadowing that, you know, thinking ahead, doing all the proper procedures now so that we address any questions that might come up later, that our procedures are sound. So in a jurisdiction like New Jersey, a state like New Jersey, you still need a medical doctor, but you can also get a licensed psychologist. um, And oftentimes, in my experience, 
the psychologists like us, forensic psychologists, that's those are the ones that are going to give you the three, four, five page reports that are more detailed, versus filling out a form. Right. Yeah, you because know, we're just used to going to our medical doctors to fill out forms for social security and disability right. and. And that's, again, that's fine. I'm not knocking that. that. That can be good. But you might be in a situation where you say, you know what, we want to know really more and we want there to be actual testing and, right. you know, to lay it out. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, children, they don't live in the same area as their parents. And um, if there's two parents in the home, a lot of times they cover for each other, right. you know, when you call, you know, oh, everything's fine, you know, and you think it's okay. And then you find people come to visit, you know, you come for a holiday or whatever, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, mom is, you know, dad like that all the time. You know, he, he doesn't seem to be remembering or, you know, you see mail piled up or he's not paying the bills or, you know, um, you go for a ride with him and, you know, he gets lost or he shouldn't be driving. He's not acting in the right way. And um, so uh, driving is a big sure. issue, you know, and people say, how do I get the keys away from What do I do? You know, so um, these are things, I guess, you know. Absolutely. And and the key is you're, you're, what you're talking about, again, is kind of compensating. As families, we tend to compensate. We, we see this even from a cultural perspective, you know. Uh, the 10-year-old child is translating, you know, a different language for the parents. Right. Or, but that type of family dynamic carries through most of our families and through most of our lives. So a lot of times, you know, I'll have a woman call me and, you know, 50-year-old woman who say, I want, I need my mother evaluated, but, but can I sit in on the evaluation? Okay. And I'll say no. <laughs> right. Uh, because what will happen is, you know, it'll be like, uh, you ask the person, what's your birthday? And right. you say, come on, Ma, you know it's in January. You know, you're like, okay, well, yeah. I can no longer evaluate that. You know, there goes that item. Right. And so it's very difficult for um, people like your listeners and all of us really to not kind of chime in and jump in. Yeah. Because actually, and this applies to everyone, when you do cognitive testing, okay. it's it's stressful. Right. So in other words, if I do personality testing where I tell someone, oh, fill out a questionnaire and I want to know your views on different things so I can get a sense of your personality, yeah. that's a lot less threatening and stressful because there's really no obvious right or wrong answer. Right. But when you ask someone, you know, what is two plus two? Right. And they can't answer it. They know they don't know the answer. Right. And that is stressful. And it's stressful as a family member to watch that. Yeah. So what we do as family members, uh, a lot of times we try to save that person. Like I said, kind of save face. Everything's fine right. and compensate. But but that's why, again, when we do these types of assessments, we really need to bring the person um, and see them uh, independently um, so that we can get an independent evaluation of how they're functioning. And that's really important. Um, I've had a number of cases where someone has come to me and they say, oh, um, you know, we think everything is fine. But but they've sat in on every previous assessment with other doctors. Right. And then you see them independently. You're like, things are not good. Right. We'll be back with Dr. Gianni Pirelli after the break. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall, 
and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6'4", 250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and on demand using the iHeartRadio app. You better get yourself to the doctor. Your head just ain't on right. You better get yourself to the doctor. Your and we're back, and I want to welcome our new listeners from Kansas, Wichita, Liberal, and Scott City. From West Virginia, Charleston, St. Albans, Summersville. From Idaho, Pocatello, Twin Falls. From San Juan, Puerto Rico, Marigot St. Martin. I love Marigot St. Martin. <laughs> and from Milan, Italy. And I'm back with our special guest, Dr. Gianni Pirelli forensic psychologist. So we were talking about um, if someone calls and wants to bring in a parent, you know, who, who feels that maybe they shouldn't be driving or they're not, uh, they shouldn't be living alone, etc. So I guess, could you take us through what? Um, sure, sure. So um, again, if you want to, if you want to get in contact with us specifically, if you're in our area, you can look at uh, gpirelli.com, G-P-I-R-E-L-L-I.com. My name is Gianni Pirelli. But honestly, I know you have listeners everywhere. You can call us anytime. Um, we're happy to talk to you. So please reach out or send an email. Um, you don't have to feel like you're, you're next door at all. Um, but specifically, how we would do these evaluations is we look at if the, to see if there's any records available, any medical records we would okay. review. We would also... Uh, then do, obviously, an interview with um, the person in question, whether it's your mom, dad, whomever, and also uh, testing with them, as I said. Okay. And so that usually blocks off a few hours of time, depending on how well they're functioning or not. Now, we also go to nursing homes and, you know, hospitals and so forth if they, if they can't travel 
Um, so that's that's something um, that we can do. And we also do an interview with you. Okay. So what you're doing as um, a forensic evaluator in this case is you're looking at the records, you're interviewing the person, you're doing testing, you're talking to family, you look at all that data, you put it together, and you put it into a report. The overall question, the main referral question, is what is that person's capacity right. to make decisions? And capacity is another word for competency or another word for fitness, their ability to make certain types of decisions. So what does that mean? That's a legal term. Right. How do we break that down yeah. clinically, and what does that mean to us? We really think of it in terms of their ability to make a choice, to, okay. to express a choice. You know, I want this or I want that. Also, their uh, understanding, appreciation, and reasoning abilities. So what does that mean? Let's look at that. Uh, I don't want to take my – I do want to take my medication, right. let's say, or I don't <laughs> want to take my medication. I understand um, what it is. Like, in other words, they're able to give you a factual understanding. This is the name of my medication. This is what it does. Okay. I appreciate – that's the second one. So understanding, appreciate – I appreciate the effects and the potential side effects, the benefits and side effects. Okay. You know, in general. Right. And then the final part is the reasoning. In my specific situation, you know, is it good for me or not? And here's why. So remember, it's expressing a choice, showing the ability to understand okay. factually what something is, appreciating um, the information around it, and then reasoning through it, you okay. know, being able to weigh that decision. And if you think of that, you can apply that to a lot of different types of decisions. Right. Medications, medical procedures. Right. Um, like you said, uh, driving. I, I haven't have actually been specifically asked to handle driving. I mean, I think medical doctors probably wind up getting that f before it comes to my desk. Um, but any type of decision, because competency or capacity is assumed. We all walk around every day and make decisions. Right. But here's what we have to remember. We're allowed to make poor decisions. Right. We're not allowed to make incompetent ones. <laughs> so in other words, a lot of us don't eat healthy perhaps or maybe we you know, smoke cigarettes or we do different things that are not really maybe good choices in terms of health. But they're competent. You're allowed to legally make, quote unquote, bad choices. Right. <laughs> You're just not allowed to legally make incompetent ones. And so that's where a psychologist like... Like me comes in, a forensic psychologist who tries to evaluate, is the decision-making process clear? Right. It's a little bit less about, it's a lot less about what exactly is their choice, right? Some people may elect to be, you know, say conscientious objectors <laughs> to medication or, you know, for right. religious reasons or what have you. And that's what you have to remember. Someone may, um, may say they don't want something in and of itself that doesn't mean that that's a incompetent decision right. they might provide you with a very rational explanation of why they don't want it right you know i don't want that you know i had a case where you know grandma's um 85 years old and they could do surgery on her nose she had polyps but the risk of the surgery was you know such that she said she didn't want to have that procedure. Okay. Now, the fact that says she didn't she didn't want that procedure in and of itself doesn't tell you anything about right. her decision making. If I let's use the extremes. If I go to her and say, "Why don't you want this procedure?" Right. And she says, 
I don't want this procedure uh, because I'm going to live to 150 anyway. You know, I'm saying like real delusion. Right. Okay, well, then that's irrational, right? But if she says, I don't want this procedure because it can hurt me right. and there's risks, you know, she doesn't have to be articulate. She doesn't have to be a doctor. Right. She doesn't right. have to explain those terms. But as as a as a doctor like me, we're looking for the thought process behind the decisions. Okay. And so that's what you're going to see uh, differently between um, a forensic psychologist yeah. versus maybe a general practitioner. And there's no offense to general practitioners. I know you're all out there. And in fact, you are my referral source as well. If someone comes to your door and it's a grayer area situation, yeah. you're going to want to call a forensic evaluator to to kind of try to pick apart the exact type of decision making and do the testing and so forth that's needed to look into a little closer. Right. Because you're really delving into, you know, more. I know like, like my mother will say she goes to her doctor every year and she goes, she asked me the same three questions. <laughs> right, right. She's like, and I know what she's going to ask me. She wants to see if I, I remember things I can remember. Apple, you know, she right. lists them. She goes, I tell all my friends who go to the same doctor. These are the questions she's going to ask. Right. So, well, th you know, that's the thing. I'm happy you said that because what happens is with memory, first of all, there's about 25 different types of memory or more. Now, we're not neuropsychologists. We're not going to break it down to the minuscule level. Right. We want to understand how the memory impacts the decision-making, right? That's where the forensic piece, the, you know, comes in. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. People, they know certain things, like right. their name or those three questions right. you said. It's just, it's not that they are aware of it from a process standpoint in their mind. It's just memorized. Right. And so what you're doing as an evaluator like me is you're trying to get away from the memorization yeah. and to the ability to actually make decisions at a more, again, functional level. Because, again, people compensate. Like I, It's not uncommon to see um, certain uh, people, older people, be very funny and, and joke. Like, right. oh, you know, so when were you born? Oh, I was born 100 years before you were. <laughs> now, on a day-to-day -day basis, they get away with that. Oh, right. <laughs> it, it, isn't she so funny? As an evaluator, I don't let her get away with that. Right. Okay. I say, okay, that's yeah. uh, thank you. Yeah, that's so funny. But, but I really need to know your date of birth or something like that. And so that's what's critically important is when you go to a an ind and even the medical doctor who works with that person all the time might. I'm not saying they're going to be duped, but they might also fall into that dynamic because they have such a rapport with the right. person. When you get an independent third party as an evaluator, especially a forensic person, we take really a, a, a kind of a colder approach, you know, right. in terms of not that we're going to be cold to you on a personal level, but from the evaluation standpoint, we're going to push further and we're not going to just accept those kind of, uh, you know, jokes or different things. We really want to understand what the person's abilities are. And so... Yes, just that's something to think about if you want to, not that you should do your own, uh, you know, I can't give you a home kit or something, right. but but you want to be thinking about it in terms of if you want to start to get a sense, ask different questions, you know. Yeah. Now, you don't want to upset the person. If, 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 if you are caring for or you have a loved one or know someone who has dementia and who's literally struggling, no, that then you want to do the opposite. You want to not ask them. Uh, those types of stressful questions, because actually families tend to do that, right. which is we we tend to say, oh, you do you remember me? What's my name? Yes. And the person's struggling, and that actually can really stress them out. 
So that's the irony. When it's time for the evaluation with a doctor, we help them and we give them all the you know comfort stuff. Right. But then when we're at home, we're like, oh, what, you know, do you remember what year Maria was born? You know, and the person's very stressed out. Yeah. And so I'd actually recommend the opposite, which is if your loved one is struggling with you know memory care related issues, you know, if you look at the research and the uh, suggestions around that, it's always about you know, keeping the person on a routine, right. asking them routine questions. Don't ask them very difficult questions. Let the evaluator do that um, to get a sense of where they're at. But you as a caretaker, as a loved one, you know, try to keep them as comfortable as possible. But it's it's such a common thing. I mean, I just see it yeah. every day, you know, right. where you see people and and they say, oh, you know, do you remember me or what's your name or, you know, <laughs> do you remember what you remember we went to the party? And it, it, that can be very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So remember what I said about cognitive abilities, your memory, uh, your ability to think through things. It's very stressful because even people who are advanced um, with dementia and so forth, it's now called neurocognitive disorder, by the way, but we still call it dementia sometimes. Um they have some insight into knowing what they don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting thing, thing, the human mind in that way. You know, it's, it's protective in some ways, but in other ways, insight tends to hang around for a long time and that can be very stressful. Right. Yeah. And you know, we, we as children, because we're dealing with so many different things and our lives are busy, you know, we might be working, we have a parent, we're not in the, you know, area or whatever, and you, the caregivers are so stressed, right. you know, so it's kind of, um, I, I think that's part of it too, of course. You remember, you know, and we right. try to just... Right. This isn't so, you know, we, you, right. you could see sometimes people say they kind of want to shake their right. little and go, no, you remember, right. you know, it's for our own sake. Yeah. And it's understandable. I mean, like you said, the caretaker, um, you know, experiences a lot of stress as well. And so you really need to remember that. But, but I think it's also important to realize that, you know, forget about aging populations for a minute and let's just talk about everybody. Okay. The push is about mindfulness, living in the moment, right? That's, that's yeah. all you see these days when you look at mental health, physical health, um, you know, live in the moment, mindfulness. Also, Remember that concept applies at all ages and it should apply. So, you know, I know you want to go down memory lane with right. mom and dad. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm, I feel bad if you can't do that, but remember that if you could stay in the moment yes. as much as possible, you can have a really nice experience without the stress. Thank you. And Dr. Pirelli, tell us again how yes. we can get in touch with sure. you. Sure. It's just gpirelli.com. G-P-I-R-E-L-L-I.com. Thank you. Thank you. I hope this episode helped you with something you may be dealing with at this moment. Please keep emailing your questions and comments and share as much detail as you can. Because listeners just like you come here each week for insight and inspiration. And your story can also help someone else. Please email me at dianeparentsarehardtoraise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. If you found something helpful in this episode, subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. And I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your family, coworkers, and friends. Episode number 66. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, 
the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments and can't wait till we meet up again on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember and remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.